And we just ask that you would take this service and use it to your honor and glory. We ask that you would superintend each song that is sung and each word that is said. And Lord, that our hearts would ponder and contemplate your words. And Lord, the Holy Spirit would have freedom to apply them to how we live. We ask for strength to serve you in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seen. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and if you need an outline there, wave a hand, and Brother Stephen there will get you one in the back. Uh, John chapter 14, we are going through the last night discourses, is what we're calling this, the series of speeches that Jesus gave to his disciples as they left the upper room and were on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. The last one, of course, will be John chapter 17. Uh, which truly is uh, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we'll be looking for that, uh, looking to go through this over the next several weeks. Uh, We had Brother Kuhn here last week, and so it's been two weeks since we started this one. We uh, did not get very far, but we're going to try to finish it tonight. So uh, why don't we just pick up a reading in verse 15 and uh, once again read through the end of the chapter. Just follow along. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them... He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father... We'll love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you. I go away and come again unto you. If ye love me ye would rejoice. Because I said I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. So, Jesus is talking to the disciples here. And, of course, as we talked about two weeks just ago, just by way of review, this is one of those passages that normally we just read over. We, we are trying to get to John chapter 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. I mean, that's uh, very easy to understand. Let not your heart be troubled. First John chapter four, 14, the first half of the chapter again. But this is a little more complicated. And again, it is just amazing to me, and I hope it is to you as well, that as Jesus is leaving the upper room and they are walking uh, across the city of Jerusalem to Gethsemane where Jesus will pray for three hours 
and then be arrested in all of the process that leads to the cross and the resurrection will begin, he is giving some of the most uh, information-filled dialogue or discourses to his disciples. He is reviewing almost every major doctrine. It's just amazing to me, and they're recorded for us. And, you know, this will be our third lesson on the first two of these discourses, and we'll have John 15, John 16. And and Jesus is saying, I'm not going to speak much to you. We'll get that at the end, but I'll tell you what, Jesus must have taught the disciples constantly. In fact, John said, if all the books should be written, even the world itself could not contain. And what this does is, number number one, you may say, well, you know, we go over it and over and over again, and I still don't get it. Have faith. The disciples did the same thing. Amen? Uh, that's one of the reasons why these things are in here is to encourage us not in not listening but to realize that no matter how many times we hear, how many times we read, there's always something new that we're going to get if we will just keep our hearts focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we started into this and Jesus made the statement. He said, if you love me, if you care about me, if you have love for me, you're going to do what I say. This is the key. We live in a world where people say, oh, I love Jesus. He is my best friend. Uh, Blow a kiss to Jesus. I actually saw that one time as I was working in a nursing home. Somebody had some Christian television show on. Oh, man. I mean... That's not love. If you love Jesus, you're going to obey. And if you don't obey, you don't love. I mean, that's what the first part of this passage is all about. And Jesus is saying, listen, I am going to send you a comforter. Actually, he says, another comforter. And uh, people spend a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, they go with the Greek word parakletos and all of these things and how he is one that comes alongside and, and this. The Holy Spirit is one who dwells in us. Amen. But if you want to know about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going away and I'm going to pray the Father to send you Another comforter. Now, the idea that word another means one like the first, doesn't it? Amen? I mean, I'm not trying to be, please, I'm not trying to be sarcastic or tedious here, but we got to get a hold of this because when is the last time you ever heard somebody say, if you want to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers today, study the ministry that Jesus Christ had to the disciples and with the disciples because Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Now I'm going to be sarcastic. You see, the disciples were barking like dogs and chirping like chickens and burping like frogs, right? Because Jesus was with them. Isn't that true? Absolutely not. So why do we look to all of this phenomena and say that this proves the Holy Spirit of God when Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter who's going to do exactly what I have done. Now, we, we don't have time to develop this fully and maybe the Lord will give it to us for a sermon on Sunday morning. We'll see. But just think for a moment what Jesus did with the disciples. What was his number one duty? He taught them God's words. He said, and if you're going to love me, you're going to keep 
my words. That's the key to the whole thing. Is personal obedience to God's word. How many times have you been walking through life? And it feels like the Holy Spirit of God just speaks to you, not audibly, of course, but says, don't do that. Has anybody ever had that happen? Is that what Jesus did with the disciples? Uh, Yeah, that's exactly what he did. He taught them how to live. He reminded them. Sometimes he called them foolish and sometimes he called them faithless. He was trying to give them the proverbial kick in the seat of the pants, as we might say, the shock treatment to say, hey, stop what you're doing. Have faith in God. I mean, that's what Jesus' message was, believe in the Father. Amen? Believe in me, John chapter 14. And in verse, uh, let me get it right here, uh, verse 1. And so he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, verse 18. He says, I'm going to come to you, but how's he going to come? In the person of the Holy Spirit. And then he comes down here uh, a little farther And in uh, verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, could you have any clearer teaching on the Trinity of God than this verse right here? He says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he's going to explain in just a few minutes the the comforter is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit of God and the things that the Holy Spirit of God is going to do. But he says, I'm going to come. He says, my Father's going to love you and we, the Father and I, are going to come. But how is the Father and Jesus going to come and abide with us? in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. You can't chop God up, my friend. And so, we're going to try to dig in right here, and, and let's just touch a little bit on verse 22. Judas, now this is not Judas Iscariot, this is what John's trying to tell us. There were two Judases, just like there were two James that were disciples of Jesus, This is the other Judas, and it saith unto him, Lord, how is it thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Well, this is very simple. If you don't obey Jesus Christ, if you don't love Jesus Christ, he's not going to manifest himself to you. If you want God to be manifest to you, if you want God to be manifest in your life, You've got to get a hold of the Word of God and simply obey it. If you don't, guess what you don't get? You see, if you don't have, if you're not willing, and put it this way, if you're not willing to obey God's Word, God is not going to bless you or make Himself known to you. How many of you would like to know God better than you do today? I mean, my hand goes up. Well, guess what? Here's the key. Obey him more. It's just that simple. You say, how do I obey him more? Read more. Amen? Pray more. Make it a part of your daily life. Be in church more. Don't miss a service of the missions conference. Just four days. I mean, it's going to be over before it starts. Wait a minute. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, four days. Uh, been doing a lot of uh, different things here. Uh, yesterday, we got the, I got the taxes all done, the quarterly reports and all that fun stuff. And now we've been trying, Stephen and I have been trying breakneck speed 
blazing three miles an hour, trying to get the radiators finished, radiator covers finished, and uh, we're almost almost there. So if I seem a little scatterbrained, just sawdust. But um, so what we have here is Jesus said, if you want the Father to love me, to uh, to love you. Keep his words. We're going to come. We're going to live with you. He that, verse 24, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Now, Jesus is very simply saying, listen, if you're not keeping my commandments, if you're not keeping my words, if you're not being obedient, you don't love me. But I want you to understand the words aren't mine. They come directly from God the Father. Now, these were Jewish men that he was addressing this to, and they would teach this message to all the people because everybody had this crazy idea that they were already obeying God because they were born a physical descendant of Abraham, that they already had that connection that they needed. And Jesus saying, listen... If you don't keep my words, the one you're spurning is not me. It's God the Father. And they knew what the results of disobeying the Father were. In verse 25, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, (coughs) excuse me, and bring all these things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, if you want to know about the work of the Holy Ghost, here's what it is. He says, I'm going to send you the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, The Father's going to send him in my name. So we have the Trinity. We have Father sending Jesus' name and the Holy Spirit being there in physical presence, spiritual presence. It says he's going to teach you all things. Now this has led many people many different directions. In fact, there's a group of people that just sit around and quiet, and, and sometimes they even just close them up. They talk about in your prayer closet, and so they shut themselves in the closet there, and, and hopefully something's going to come to them. And uh, I'm, I've met some preachers that preach that way. They sit there and, oh, I don't feel the Spirit. I don't, ah, I feel it now. I got something. That, no, I, I don't like that. That's not what this is talking about. He shall teach you all things. How is the Holy Spirit going to teach you? Read the next phrase. What's it say? And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Do you know the Holy Spirit is limited in what he can teach you? He can only teach you things that Jesus already said. That's why we often say, if it's not written down, the Holy Spirit's not teaching it to you. If the Holy Spirit's teaching it to you, it's because it's already written down. How many of you have read the Bible and say, boy, I don't understand that passage? Everybody here has done that at one time or another. Well, how do we understand the passage? First of all, why don't you pray and ask God to allow the Holy Spirit to give you the understanding that you need? Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit's just going to say no. You know, there are just certain passages God doesn't want us to understand. And most of them... I shouldn't say most of them. The ones that he has not given us a full understanding is purposeful. 
I mean, how many of you have read Ezekiel when it starts talking about the wheel and the wheel and the spirit of the living creatures and you sit there and try to go envision this thing? I don't know about you, but I, I've thought a lot about that. And, I, you know, I think of these creatures that are attached to each other and in, in just a flash of light, they head this direction and before you can even turn around, they're coming that direction. I mean, that's some pretty amazing things. Makes the space shuttle look like a slowpoke. Traveling at 23 times the speed of light crosses the United States in three minutes. The space shuttle will. But three minutes is a long time to just stand there. He said, in a moment, I turned around, they were coming from the other direction. I mean, talk about fast, all the way around the world, in the blink of an eye. But understanding all that, is that going to help me live tomorrow? No. But understanding I need to keep my focus on God, is that going to help me live tomorrow? Is loving God enough not to hold a grudge against another person, is that going to help me live tomorrow? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's where the Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is teaching us things that will help us live the words of Jesus Christ. He's going to teach us all things, and He's going to bring to our remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, how many of you have ever studied for a big, big test? And you pray, dear Lord, help me remember what I've studied for my test, right? And you didn't study. Did anybody ever pray like that? And the Lord probably didn't answer that prayer, now did he? But when you prepare and you study the material, then you ask the Lord to help you remember He usually does now, doesn't he? And this is what is being spoken about. You know, the apostles did not have this book. Not even John, the beloved disciple, held in his hand the complete revelation of God. He was the last one to write... But there, exiled on the island of Patmos, it was very unlikely that he had the Old Testament scriptures. It was very unlikely that he had a copy of all of Paul's letters. But he had the book of Revelation that he sent out to the churches, many of which had all of those books and had put them together over the years As Paul would write, they would copy them and print them and send them to the churches. And very shortly after John finished the book of Revelation, the churches had a copy of God's Word. Uh, It is verifiable as early as 120 A.D., 20 years, 25 years after John penned the words of the book of Revelation that our Bible, which we hold in our hands today, was completed and being translated and being sent to the churches. That's an amazing thing, is it not? He said the Spirit is going to teach you all things. But the teaching is going to be concerned or uh, limited to the things that Jesus said. Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to teach us what's in the Bible and the Holy Spirit is going to teach us the things that are going to determine how we behave. So if you're looking for the Holy Spirit of God, don't look for some uh, feeling or some special experience or something because you can get those things. They're out there. But if you want the Holy Spirit really working in your life, dear God, teach me how to live for you at work tomorrow. Holy Spirit will answer that prayer. 
That's how he works. That's how Jesus worked with the disciples. He taught them how to live. Amen? And that's what we're trying to do in here in the church and the reason we gather together. And then the second part is, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, how many of us could use a little more peace in our lives? Uh, How do we get that? Oh, wait a minute. Do you think verse 27 is connected to verse 26? That if the Holy Spirit is bringing to your remembrance the things that Jesus said and taught... Might that be the source of peace? Because Jesus said, my peace, I'm given to you. You know, what did he tell the disciples when they were in the boat that was full of water? He said, why are, you, why are ye so fearful? And he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. How many could use a little bit of peace like that? I'll tell you, we, we all need that in our lives. But where is it going to come from? It's going to come from being taught by the Holy Spirit the things that Jesus said so that our reliance is so much upon the person and the presence and the words of Jesus Christ that what's going on around us does not steal our peace. Now that's a whole lot easier said than done. Amen? I mean, I think if I had a real real hold on this completely, maybe I could get rid of my acid reflux medicine. Amen? Uh, these are things that we, we let the world get to us. We let circumstances get to us. We, we get all worked up about things that we see happening in, our, in this country economically and politically and with this election. And, and, and I'll tell you, if that's where my faith was, you know, uh, give me acid reflux medicine and Pepto-Bismol and uh, Maalox and about everything on the shelf uh, because I'm going to need an awful lot to get rid of the agita, the upset, the, the inner turmoil because it looks really bad out there. I mean, it really does. And yet, Jesus said, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now what was Jesus primarily talking about here? He was talking about what was going to happen in just a little over three hours. I want you to think about the disciples. Here they are walking with the Lord. They've seen him open blind eyes. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him do all of these miracles. And in just a few hours, as they get, uh, in a few moments, as they get to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is going to become exceeding heavy and sore amazed so much so that John, the beloved disciple, kind of like blanks out for the whole period of time they're in the garden. Because he, he writes at the beginning of the chapter, and we enter, crossed over the brook Sidron and into the Garden of Gethsemane, and the next thing that's on the agenda is Judas coming. Well, we read Luke and Matthew and, and Mark and... Uh, we find out that between the entering of the garden and Judas, there's about a three-hour time period there where Jesus was praying and sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. 
You see, this idea of not letting our heart be troubled and not being afraid is not an absence of the emotion. It's a greater trust in God. Hello? Amen. It is understanding that when the boat's full of water, Jesus is in the boat, I really don't have anything to worry about. If Jesus weren't in the boat, guess what? I got a lot of things to worry about. But Jesus says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then he says, ye have heard how that I said unto you, I go away and come again to you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice. Because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now, this whole idea here is, he said, if you could really understand what was going on, you would be filled with joy. He says, I'm going to my Father, which is greater than I. And of course, the, uh, those who want to nitpick at the Trinity, those who don't want to believe that our God is a little bigger than your brain, amen, they always say, how can the Father be greater than the Son if the Son and the Father are the same? Well, there's an order here. Now, let me ask you a question. Jesus set this order. We're created in his image, in the image of God. What is more important? What goes on in your physical body or what goes on in your soul? How many of you would say, well, pastor, the soul's primary importance. Jesus said if a man gained the whole world and lose his own soul, he's lost it all. Would you say amen with me on that? Um, could I ask you, what part of the Trinity does the human soul bear the image of? The Father. That's why the Father is greater. There's an order to this thing. Amen. Jesus, we bear the image of Jesus in the physical body. And when we get saved... Since we are born in the image of Adam without a spirit, a spiritually dead in the image of Adam, because of sin that entered into the world, God gives us the Holy Spirit of God to live inside of us so that we can communicate directly with God. Isn't that a wonderful truth? And he said, if you could understand what is about to happen, he said, you'd be filled with joy. But you're not. Your heart's going to be troubled. You're going to be filled with fear. You remember what happened the first church service when Jesus showed up? They were in the upper room. And he had to quiet them to keep them from climbing out the window and trying to leave the upper room the hard way because they were so afraid of seeing a spirit. Was it a spirit? No. He said, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bones like you see me have. Jesus saying, if you could only understand. Now stop and think of what the disciples were looking at. As they are walking with Jesus, they just celebrated the Passover meal. And Jesus spent this extra time saying... Take this bread, which is a picture of my body, and eat it. And take this wine, which is a picture of my blood. By the way, it was biblical wine, grape juice, amen. Uh, we're not going to take time to delve into that tonight, but pure bread, pure juice, untouched by the craft of man. Bread, just flour and water put together, baked in an oven. The juice just pressed out of the grapes and served without human intervention. 
picture of the pure blood, the pure body of Jesus Christ. And while they're wondering about this thing, Jesus tells them that Peter's going to deny that he's even known Jesus. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe the same way in me. I am the only way to God. In fact, I am the God of the Old Testament. He says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I am coming. My Father and I are coming, and we're going to live with you. And if you could understand this, your heart wouldn't be full of fear. It'd be full of joy. Now, this is key to understanding what James says in the book of James when it says, Rejoice when you fall into diverse temptations. Because God needs to do a work in my life. And that work that he wants to do through the person of the Holy Spirit is the same work that Jesus was trying to do in the life of the apostles and accomplished in their lives by making them obedient to the word of God. Now sometimes we get thinking, what would happen if they persecuted us for our faith? If, if, if we don't worry about what would happen. The key to doing what's right at that moment is getting close to Jesus at this moment. The key to loving God enough to be willing to lay down your life for his name, if that opportunity should ever come, is loving him enough to obey him today. If you're not obeying him today, you're not going to obey him then. If you are obeying him today, it will be the next step in your life. It will be just as natural as coming to church. Are we still together? You see, God's grace and his goodness, his Holy Spirit power in our lives is not something for tomorrow or something for this great event that may be coming in your life. It's to live Today, that's what Jesus did with the disciples for about three and a half years. They just lived day by day by day. And how many times did the disciples fail? A lot. How many times do we fail? A lot. But, he says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to live in you, to dwell in you, to walk with you, to bring to your remembrance the things that I have said. You know, we've had some people um, over the years give this testimony of, you know, I tried to walk away, but I couldn't. That's because the Holy Spirit of God is living inside, making us obedient to His Word. Amen? And this is what is going on. And Jesus is telling them, and now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. You know what? The disciples were not going to have joy this night because of the coming cross. When they heard of Jesus' crucifixion, when some of the disciples saw that, they were not filled with joy. But what was Peter's message? Jesus Christ, whom you've crucified, whom God hath risen again. Peter had joy about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ because now he had the Holy Spirit dwelling in him, teaching him these things and giving him an understanding that the Holy Spirit was going to be able to work in the life of each believer just like Jesus was working with the 12 disciples. The Holy Spirit was going to carry on the exact same work, just on a much broader spectrum. Because as the Spirit 
of God. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere present. He can work in your life and my life at the same time. And you know what? He can guide your prayers and he can guide my prayers about totally different things all at the same time. Never get confused. I don't know about you. I like to think I'm multitasking on occasion. One of the biggest lies there is. Multitasking is an excuse for doing many things very poorly. Uh, if you want to do something right, do one thing at a time. Amen? Uh, that's the only way it works. But the Holy Spirit of God multitasks. Because he can work in every believer's life. With every individual issue. All at the same time. You know what? Get into Acts chapter 2. The disciples are beginning to understand that. Get into the book of Corinthians and stuff. And Paul was explaining how this works. And now they were looking at the cross... Probably the most anxious moments of these disciples' lives were from the time Jesus was arrested until they saw the resurrected Lord. And the, the most terrifying part from them, if we understand what the Bible says, was when they first saw the resurrected Lord. But then they were filled with joy because now they understood. Now, I like these last two verses, and I'll be quick if I can here. Hereafter, I will, not, I will not talk much with you. Now, we've still got chapter 15, 16, and 17. Jesus says, that's not talking much. Oh, don't you wish you could have been just one of those flies on the wall to listen to Jesus as he taught his disciples as they were walking. But you know what the Holy Spirit of God said? You don't need that. You need what's written down in the words of God. That's, that's what we need. He says, for the prince of this world cometh. The devil is coming. You know, it looked like the devil was winning when Jesus was arrested in the garden, did it not? Did it not look like the devil was winning when Pilate ordered Jesus to be beaten? Did it not look like the devil was winning when Jesus walked up the road between the court and Calvary's hill? Did it not look like the devil had won when they took his body down from the tomb and buried it hurriedly? And the tomb was quiet for the next three days until the angel came and rolled the stone away. Then it didn't look like the devil was winning anymore. But the disciples didn't understand. We have it written down, and so we understand today. You see, the disciples were frightened. They took a good whooping as we might say. They were beaten. They, uh, Peter denied that he even knew who Jesus was. There was not a one of them that had enough heart when they took, said the tomb was empty to believe that Jesus had risen again from the dead, like he said. But how many times have we thought God forgot us? that God didn't care about what we're going through, that maybe we have to go through. Let me tell you, God still cares. He understands. He knows what's happening. Nothing is a shock to him, not even your failures. He said, the prince of this world cometh. What's that next phrase? And hath nothing in me. The devil isn't going to win. In fact, when we get to John 17, he's going to say, none of them is lost but the son of perdition, who was the devil's anyway. Amen? Amen. 
He says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. That's what the cross is all about. You tell me of one other great religious leader who died for the people that were to follow him. Somebody said, well, Joseph Smith died a martyr's death. No, he didn't. He died the death of a wretched criminal who was so vile that the good men of that town said, we're not going to let this guy get away. Some of his friends came and tried to break Joseph Smith out of jail, and they had a gunfight, and they ended up stringing him up because they weren't going to let his friends get him out of town. That's not a martyr's death. Uh, Mohammed killed a lot of people, but he didn't die so others could follow him. Jesus died so that we could follow him. He died to demonstrate God's love for us. That's what it says, that the world may know that I love the Father and as the Father gave me commandment. See, it is God that loves you. You know, we go to some churches, some religions, and, and some people even preach about a God who's mean and vindictive and wants to just send lightning bolts out of heaven and I remember hearing a, pre hearing a preacher was a tape preached, and I thought, man, that has got to be the meanest man I have ever heard preach. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to go listen to that. God loved me so much that he sent Jesus down to be obedient to the cross so I could be free from my sins, so that the world could see how much the God of the Bible loves us. Amen? Then he says, arise, let us go hence. It's time to get it done. Boy, we could, I could preach a whole sermon on that, couldn't I? Jesus said, listen, there is nothing else to it except to get it done. How many times do we sit there idly thinking and praying about what we already know that God wants us to do? We use that as an excuse not to do what we ought to do. Jesus said, arise, let us go hence. It's time for it to happen. You say, how do I know it's time? Well, get up off your blessed assurance and you'll find out. Amen? It's time to move. Don't sit and wonder when God wants you to do something when he's already given you clear direction. Now, sometimes he makes us wait. You know, how many of you appreciate Brother Newberger's spirit in waiting and taking time in coming here after he graduated and all of that, spending a year cleaning the building, basically? But you know, God used that to prepare him. And he spent almost two years raising his support. Now, well, 18 months, basically, and now we see the first service. Exciting, is it not? Terrifying, is it not? And we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do with others in the future. Right, Brother Franz? But in God's time, we're not going to kick him out until we know that it's the Lord's time. But when it comes time, there's nothing else to it. You just got to do it. Hey, teens, it's time to go pass out tracks Saturday morning. Be here at 10 o'clock. It's time. Amen? Church, 
10.30 Sunday morning. Don't skip Sunday school. Be here. It's time. It's time to serve him. You say, how do I know when I should give this person a track? Uh, it's already time. It's already time. You don't have to pray about that. Now we have to wait for God to do the work. Let's not get ourselves in the wrong place. But Jesus said, the devil's coming. The prince of this world's coming. He hath nothing in me. He looks like he's going to win. He says, but I'm doing these things to show the world that I love my father and that my father loves the world. And I'm obedient because if ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. What was Jesus doing? Keeping his father's commandments. God gave Jesus things to do that you and I can't do so that we can do the things that we're supposed to do through the power of the Comforter, which continues the work that Jesus did with the disciples. All God's people said, Amen. let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight, and Lord, I pray that we would let these simple words that are in this passage open our eyes to see the foolishness of man in trying to explain all these complex things of which he knows nothing. And Lord, that we would embrace a Holy Spirit that will teach us from the Word of God the things that Jesus said. That will guide us into obedience because that is what love does. Lord, help us. Help us to see how poor we are in spirit. And how great you are in your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have.